The reading tonight is taken from Proverbs 3, 1 to 8. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Well, let me just um, add my welcome to Dave. Um, my name is Paul. I'm one of the associate ministers here at P's and G's. If I've not met you before, I'd love to say hi at the end. Do come and find me. It'd be great to uh, catch up and to get to know you. Um, today, or tonight even, the talk's going to be very practical. It's going to be very applicable. Hopefully, it's going to be very uh, simplistic and something we can take hold of. But it's really an introduction and it's an encouragement as we look at looking at the Bible, drawing from it, speaking uh, to our lives from Scripture, the stuff that God has put in there for our lives. And it's just to lay it out and to encourage us as we approach this. Let me just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that it's alive, it's living. And Father, it's a gift to us. Father, we just pray that tonight you would just come by your Holy Spirit. And Father, you would start a hunger in our hearts. That, Father, we would be drawn to your word. That we would be hungry. We would be thirsty for your word. That, Lord Jesus, even tonight you would start something in our hearts. You'd open our eyes that we would see you. Our ears that we would hear you. Our hearts that we may experience you more, Lord God. So come, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Amen. Well, it was great to have uh, that proverb there just read out to us, Proverbs 3, and it's just great to look at it and to see what it speaks about when it talks about Scripture, speaking really well of Scripture itself, saying how wise it is, how it brings wisdom to us and well-being to our body. But I want to ask you the question, who's the wisest person you know? You're not allowed to say Dave. But who is, who's the wisest person that you know? Have a little think about it. Maybe it's a grandma or a parent or somebody. Maybe you think of someone like Gandalf or someone like a really wise person with a massive beard. Who is it that's the wisest person you know? Well, when I think about a wise person, the person that comes to my mind is my great grandmother. She's no longer with us, but my great-grandma lived till the age of 94. And my great-grandma, in her early years, used to go into the town center. She would stand up on a little raised platform, and she would preach in the streets. She would tell her testimony in the streets as a young woman. She would read scripture in the busy marketplace just out loud. She would pray for people, and she would even convert people there in the busy streets in Whitehaven, in Cumbria, in a small little town. In her year, later years, she couldn't really do that. She wasn't as active. She wasn't mobile. But she would sit in her chair. And whilst her body wasn't really active, her mind was still going. So she would polish the chair arm and polish her handbag. And anybody that would come and visit, she'd say, just, just get a chair. Come, come and sit with me. 
And she'd begin to read scripture to them, whether it was the postman, whether it was the milkman, whether it was a neighbor. Didn't matter who it was, but whoever visited, they had to pull up a chair. And they would sit right in front of her, and she would tell them her story, tell them her testimony. And she would reel off scriptures, and wisdom would just pour out of her. Now, this wasn't uh, her being clever. It had nothing to do with her IQ. It wasn't intelligence. It was wisdom. It was godly wisdom. It was wisdom from someone who had read scripture, understood scripture, fed off scripture, applied scripture, and actually lived out scripture in her life. And she had story after story after story of lives that have been changed and situations and examples where God's word spoke to her and she could communicate that to the people in front of her, no matter who it was. I think she converted me two or three times when I was a young kid. She was just amazing. Amazing to see and to be in her presence because she knew scripture. She read it, she applied it, and she spoke well of it. I wonder, where do you get wisdom from? Where do you go to get advice? Where do you go for answers? Let's be honest, in the day of Google and Siri, do we need to go anywhere other than them two places? I've got four children, um, and they've discovered Siri. And I'm constantly hearing my phone going, boop, boop, binging it. And as my little two-year-old says, hey, Siri, show me a picture of a rabbit. And then my, my boy say, hey, Siri, who will win, Spider-Man or Batman? And Siri actually doesn't know the answer to that. But I wonder, when we think about guidance and wisdom, is there someone or something that we go to that isn't online, that isn't in a search engine. When we have these questions that Google can't answer or that Siri doesn't know, where do we go to get this wisdom, this godly wisdom that isn't just information, but it's transformation. It's not just a head full of knowledge, but it's a heart full of love and experience, and it's a heart that's full of his goodness, that's a heart that's rich and nourished with his word. Who do we go to? You may say, actually, that, that we don't need that person. You may say, actually, that we have all that we need with the people that are around us or online with the search engines or, or the books that we have. You may not see a need for it, and especially in a world today where you think the Bible is outdated, it's not relevant to us, it says nothing for us today in culture. But the truth is, we do need guidance. We live in a world that yes is amazing and yes is brilliant, but yes is broken. Yes is a bit messed up. Yes that actually needs direction, needs guidance, needs breakthrough, needs counsel, needs wisdom. And the Bible is full of it. The Bible is full of wisdom. Martin Luther once said this about scripture. He talks about scripture being alive. He says, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. And the Bible is the living 
word of God. Like, I know that you know this, but it's a reminder that this gift that we have, that some countries, some churches, some people, literally if they're found with it, they could be killed. People that are burying it in the ground and coming out in the middle of the night just to read a page to put it back. This living word is transformational. Like, if you don't have a Bible, come and and find me at the end. We'll write your name in it and you can take it away as a gift. We believe that it changes your life. It changes everything. It's the living word of God. The love of God screams out through the pages. This living word of God is alive and it speaks to us today. This is uh, what scripture says about it. This is the Apostle Paul uh, in one of his letters. This is 2 Timothy 3.16 and it says this. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The Proverbs that we just read, uh, the proverb that we just read earlier is an amazing example as well, speaking well of itself, of Scripture. These wise sayings that would have been passed down from generation to generation, told around tables, told over meal times, these wise, godly uh, sayings and wisdoms would be passed down for people. The ancient wisdom literature of the Proverbs is filled with goodness, wisdom from kings and godly people. It's an amazing gift to us. Let's just have that um, proverb back up there, Proverbs 3. Let's look at it. Because it's encouraging us not to forget the teaching. Verse 1 of Proverbs, it says, Don't forget my teaching and keep my commands in your heart. It says that it can prolong your life and bring you peace and prosperity. It talks about writing them on the tablet of your heart. So not just in your head, but just knowing it. It's like burnt down, in carved into your heart. If you go to Blackpool and you go to the fairgrounds, you can buy Blackpool rock. And inside the rock, when you cut it, it says Blackpool all the way through it. Like what a picture of God's word in our heart. That it's like it's in there. It's carved into our heart. It's written on the tablet of our heart. Do you know it? When was the last time you picked the Bible up to read it, to devour it, to feed off it, to encourage yourself in Scripture? When was the last time we picked them and said, Holy Spirit, speak to me in your word. I need wisdom on a situation. I need wisdom on this moment in my life. I've been really encouraged and really um, just a hunger really grow me just to, to really devour the word, just to really get into it, to read it, to learn it, to know it, to know it inside out but also to apply it to my life as well. Proverbs just said here that this will bring health to your body. It will bring nourishment to you. It brings life. It's the living word of God. It is alive. I don't know about you, though, but uh, it can be a challenge, can't it? Like, it can be a challenge actually getting in to the Bible. Yes, we know it's good. Yes, we know it's all been put together and there's poetry and there's history and there's all sorts of stuff in there that we could just glean from. But actually, how do you even make a start? How do you get in to the Bible? Well, when I was praying about tonight and I was thinking about this journey that we're going to be on over these next few weeks in the evening, looking at drawing wisdom and guidance, what does the Bible have to say about our life? I was thinking about the journey and the goodness of the Bible and how do we get in it. And I was reminded of a story. And it's a story of these kids that were playing football out in the rain. 
He was absolutely freezing. They were kicking the ball around. They were loving it, but they were getting colder and colder. They were getting wet, and they were desperately getting more hungry. They were hungry for some food. They kind of drew it to an end after an hour or so, and they're like, let's just get back. Let's go home. We're absolutely starving. So they went home. And uh, one of the kids' mum was busy, and they're like, it's fine, I'll fix you up something, these young kids. I, I-, I could do something, um, I could do you soup. I know, I've seen my mum do it, I could do soup, we can stick it in the microwave, but let's have some soup. And the boys were, and the kids were like, yeah, let's have soup. Oh, tomato soup would be amazing. And they took hold of the can, and they looked at it, and they're like, this is amazing, like, this is going to be so good. Like, I love tomato soup. Like, heat it up with a bit of bread, oh my goodness, like, this is just what we need. Let's get into it, how do you get into it? Well, where's the ring pull? Oh, there's no ring pull. Well, hang on a sec. Well, we need to, we can't, do we stick it in the microwave? You can't stick it in the microwave. Like, it's metal. How do we get into it? Got to get into the tin. So they scrambled around, not being familiar with all the utensils and where everything was in the kitchen. They fumbled on with wooden spoons and all sorts of rolling pins. And they were whacking it and they were bashing it. I just need to get in. If we can get the stuff out and we can heat it up, we can eat it and we're all going to be satisfied. And they begin to picture and imagine what this soup is going to look like. Oh my goodness, like, it's going to look amazing. It's going to taste amazing. And they were getting more hungry, and their tummies were grum- grumbling, but they're like, let's just get into it. And after a few failed attempts with a, with a, a fork and a spoon, they were like, just like, some of them, let's just give up. Let's just give up. We're not going to get in. Let's just find a packet of crisps or something. Like, no, no, let's get into the tin of soup. And they find the tin opener. They open the tin. They heat the soup. They smell the soup. They sit down. They feed off the soup. And it satisfies them. And it warms them. And it nourishes them. And they're so thankful that they got into it. The picture that I had is that for some of us, it's a little bit like that with the Word of God. Like we know that the Bible's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been told about that the Bible's good. Yeah, I used to read the Bible and so on. But life's just so busy. And actually, I I kind of fumble around to, to get a bit of a passage here and there and so on. But actually, just... We fail at the first hurdle, and that's just actually opening it. It's actually getting into it. How on earth, in my busy schedule, do I get into the Word of God? We know that it's good, but how do we get into it? I believe tonight that God wants to just create a real hunger in our hearts for His Word. He wants to just develop these grumbling pains in our stomach of, I want to get into the Word. And He's going to equip you. He's going to give you the tools. He's going to give you the creativity. He's going to give you all that you need and more to get into the Word of God again and to be fed on the Word of God. And it's going to feed you. And you're going to be fed like never before, living off the Word of God. Are we hungry for the Word? Do we seek it? I believe that God is going to just really do that for us. It's worth the perseverance. It's worth pushing in and trying to find a way, maybe a new way, a creative way to get into the Word of God. So the three things that I want to talk about today, the first is this, just get into it. Just make a start and get into the Bible. We're so fortunate to have it. It's such a gift. It's not illegal for us to read it. It's not illegal for it to carry it. I've gone old school. Yes, I know we're in a digital world, but this thing fits in my back pocket. I can walk around. I can read. I can highlight it. I can feel the pages. I can read it. It's a physical thing. Let's just get in to the Word of God. Let's just make a commitment tonight that we would get in to the Word of God. It's available to us. We can have all sorts of ways of getting into it. Just some suggestions that I can just rattle off now, but you'll have your own. 
We could do the Bible online if you want to. You can look at it. You can read it online. You could do it in your lunch breaks. You could do it in your break time. You could do it on the bus, on the way to work, on the way back from work. You could open the the Word of God. You don't have to carry it around. You can have it on your screen. You can listen to podcasts about Scripture. You can listen to a, a certain book in the Bible. People who have just immersed themselves in it and just want to pour out wisdom about Scripture. We can read commentaries about it. We can listen to verses that have been set to music and gorgeous pictures uh, online, can't we? We can listen to it. We can have it going all over our minds. We can listen to meditations online about Scripture. There's so much at our fingertips. A blatant plug plug here for my sister's book. So my sister uh, has just done this book, the Infographic Bible. And this is basically visualizing the drama of God's Word. So inside it, it's all the data from Scripture, and it's just looking at it in a different way and understanding what is in the Bible. And this might inspire, this might get us back into Scripture, this might help us understand when we look at the data and we look visually, because I'm a visual person, I like to see what is actually going on in Scripture, seeing the pictures. Let's just, this, this is a great thing to actually help us with, but there's all sorts of stuff that we can do to get into the Bible. We could set a reminder on our phone for midweek, midday, Wednesday, lunchtime. It goes off and says, I'm going to get into the, I'm just going to read the word of God because it's life-giving. It transforms the people around us and and us. It starts with us. Let's really get into it. You could ask us or ask a friend, like if you're really struggling to get into it and you're, you're spiritually starving, like, like, find help. Ask someone to say, hey, would you help me? Would you read? What, what would be good to read? Start with a gospel, maybe. You know, maybe Mark marks a short one, but ask someone, get into it, make a start, that we would get into the word of God. Let me just pray for this first section then. Holy, Holy Spirit, just come. Heavenly Father, I pray that a hunger would start tonight. That, Father, this hunger for your word would grow within us. Lord Jesus, just draw us to your word again that we would know, Lord Jesus, what to read, how to read it, when to read it. Help us to be creative in this, we pray. Help us to get into your word. Amen. Second thing is, don't just read it, but allow it uh, to feed you. So feed on it. So we get into it and we feed on it. Joshua 1.8 says this, Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Many of you will know that a cow has four parts to its stomach. And it's interesting because when a cow eats, it takes in the grass and all the goodness and the nourishment. It goes to a certain part of its stomach. It's then processed, digested in there, but then sent to another part of the stomach and then brought up again. And what happens with the cow is the cow just regurgitates the grass. It eats the grass again and again and again and again. It can go on and on and on. It just keeps bringing it up. just keeps bringing it up and have a little chew on it. puts it back down and so on. It enjoys the grass all day long. What an amazing picture of what we can do with Scripture. That we feed ourselves with Scripture, but we bring it to mind. And then we meditate on it. And then we chew on it. And then we think about it. And then we get on with our day. And then something happens in life or in our day. And then we think about it again. We bring it back up. And we meditate it. And we chew on Scripture. There's a way of reading scripture actually called Lecto Divina, and it's a specific way of reading it, and it sometimes works well in a group where you maybe take a chapter, and you read a verse, and then you pass it to someone, they read the next verse, it goes round and round, you just kind of listen, then you stop. And then you kind of say, what jumped out at you there? What did the Spirit highlight? 
And then some people say this, 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 and this. And they say, let's read it again. And then you read scripture again. It goes round again. And you'd be surprised how God just brings things to life. It brings things to life as you read it and chew over it and you feed off it. Pete Gregg, who is the founder of one of the founders of 24-7 Prayer uh, and author of many books, but he talks about when he does his prayer and study days, he goes off into the forest on his mountain bike and he almost prays through scripture. So he'll take Psalm 23, for example, and he'll just be on his mountain bike and he'll just be chewing it over. He was like, the Lord is my shepherd. Who's my shepherd? Ah, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. Whose shepherd is he? Ah, oh, he's, he's my shepherd. He's like, he's my shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. The Lord's my shepherd and I shall not be want. And he leads me by still waters. He leads me. Where does he lead me? Ah, oh, he leads me by still waters. And he goes back and he chews it over and over and over again. And he's feeding himself with scripture. He's praying these words through uh, the Bible. He's praying them through, but he's feeding off the word of God. There's a real hunger that's really starting in me just to, to really devour the scriptures, just to read it, to know it. I took myself off the other day to a cafe, and I just sat with my Bible and a coffee, and I just opened a file, and it was full of prophecies and, and words of knowledge and scripture verses that people have given to me 20, 25 years ago. And I'm just reading them, and I'm like, wow. That's amazing. Yes, that's happened. That's still to happen. Wow, that's an amazing verse. Wow, what's, hasn't that been keen? Hasn't that been key? Sorry. That's an amazing verse. Wow, look at that. Let me read that again. Let me look at that. And I began to feed myself with Scripture. I've started listening um, to Scripture just read out for three hours during the night. So as I go to sleep, there's, there's worship music, but it's just spoken word of God. I send me to sleep and it goes in. And as I'm asleep, and it's going in and it's going in. And it's going in. And I want to be someone that knows scripture, that reads it, devours it, that feeds off it. As we read the words of God and we see the love he has for us, maybe you look at the gospels. We're going to come to communion shortly. But as you read the gospels, allow God's love to scream out at you. Allow the love of God to scream out through the words and through the pages. And as you read it, say, Holy Spirit, show me how much you love me. God, reveal to me your love for me. In the chapters that I'm going to read, jump out at me. Show me. Burn it on my heart. Not in my head, in my heart. Reveal your love to me in these pages. Allow it to speak to you. God wants to speak to us each and every day. Our days are busy, I know. But it's important to find the time. I have a friend who ran into his day and he ran into all sorts of obstacles, all sorts of problems, all sorts of situations. And it wasn't to the very end of the day that he slumped down on his bed, quite tired, exhausted, kind of run out. And he picked his Bible up. And as he opened his Bible, he really clearly felt God say, I had something for you today. I had something for you today. Might his day have looked different? Had he met with God, had he heard from the Father, as his Father secured him and poured out his love on him, as he walks into his day, feeding off the word of God, knowing it, bringing it up, bringing it to mind, and that changing how he sees his work colleagues and his flatmates and his people around him and so on, as the living word of God is in him. Let's find a moment. Let's prioritize it. Let's get into the word of God so that it might transform us and change us and shape our day. It's the nourishment for our life, for our spiritual growth. Second point, let me just pray and then we'll move on to our third point. Heavenly Father, would you come? 
And Lord God, would you help us to feed off your word. Lord, that it wouldn't just be a book full of information, but it would be full of transformation. That your word would transform us. That Lord God, it would be alive in us. That Father, we would bring it back, bring it back to mind, we would chew over it. It would feed us and shape us in our day. Help us, Lord God, we pray. Amen. Okay, finally then, we've opened it. We're feeding off it. Finally, we need to apply it. Like it's no good just in here. It has to be lived out in our lives. James 1, verse 22 to 26 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We know that it's good stuff. We need to remember it. We need to apply it to our situations and our lives and our marriages and our friendships. We need to live it out Jesus believed in it. Jesus affirmed it. Jesus quoted it. Even in in the Gospels in Matthew 4, when Satan was tempting him, Jesus answered him back with Scripture. Not clever comments and clever ideas. He quoted Scripture back to Satan. Like, it needs to be in there if we're going to quote it back to people. It needs to be in the deep freeze if we're going to be able to bring it up and apply it to people's lives and and to our lives. Let's get it in ourselves. Let's get it in our minds and hearts. Let's read on it, feed on it, and apply it. Let's deliver it in church and out of church as well as it's in there. In our prayer ministry times when we pray for people, it's often when you're praying for someone that that God reminds you of a scripture verse. And you just speak a scripture verse over someone. And it's incredible to watch as the Spirit does his thing and he reveals scripture to the person. And they're like, oh my goodness, that is so key. Like you've no idea how often people... Remind me of that Bible verse. But it has to be in there to be able to quote it. You kind of have to know it and have read it and have seen it. You've got to bring it back. Bring it back to your mind and to be able to minister with it. But out of church too, if it's in there, we're able to allow it to shape our friends and people around us as well. We're able to answer people back with scripture verses that, that sound very normal in our own language. But it's godly and it's wisdom and it's from his scriptures. I remember praying for a demonized lady in Starbucks. And as she began to curse me and try to curse me and she spoke things over me in the middle of Starbucks, what happened to me was I began to quote scripture back at her. And it was just so natural and I just felt so equipped because all the scriptures were in there and I began to uh, respond with these scripture verses. That's that's for another talk, maybe that that story. But the point was I felt equipped because it was in there. The scriptures were in there. And I was able to use it and apply it to my situation. We have this uh, really interesting, quite surreal image uh, in the Old Testament when God first calls Ezekiel as to be a prophet in Ezekiel 3. It's quite a strange image that's recorded because in the image, God uh, appears to Ezekiel as he's calling him, appointing him to be a prophet. And he says to him, eat this scroll 
And it's like, are you serious? Like, eat the scroll? Like, what's it made out of? Is it, is it that sugar paper that you can eat? Like, what is it? Is that, no, eat my word. Eat the scroll. Now, some theologians, some scholars believe that he physically actually did eat the scroll. We know that eating paper is not going to be good for you, so don't try that. But he actually physically digested this scroll at the written word of God on both sides. And, and they believe he, he ate it and he digested it. Some people believe it's just symbolic, it's metaphoric, but the image is quite a striking one, isn't it? God reveals his word to Ezekiel. It's on this scroll, and he's now saying to him, get it in you, devour it, allow it to be in your body. But the next part is, he says, now go and deliver this message to my people, to people who are in rebellion. Go and deliver the message to him. It was a two-part message. Devour it receive it and in your own non-freaky way in your authentic way go and communicate yes with your mannerisms yes with your accent yes with who you are and how you are deliver my word to them it's the same thing that god's asking of us read the word devour it feed on it let it live within you but don't just let it be there for your own sake take it to the people take it to those around you communicate and find a way of communicating God's word to those around you in a normal, authentic way that's going to bring life and transformation. Let me finish with this story. Before we uh, moved to Edinburgh, we were in Auckland in New Zealand just for a couple of years, and we used to pray for people on the street. So we would go out, and we'd just wander around the parish, around the church, and we'd just look for people. We'd ask the Spirit to prompt us to people that we should approach. And we'd go up to them and we'd say, hey, look, we're just praying for the place. We're praying for the Paris, a parish and, and we're praying for, praying for people as well. And, and we saw you. Is there anything we can pray for for you? Sometimes people would say no, but often people would say, yeah, could you pray for this? On this one occasion, um, I saw this guy and he was outside a university and we'd been praying and we were drawn to him. Uh, so we approached him and we gave him the spiel. We're praying for the place. We're praying, praying for people. We saw you. What can we pray for? Can we pray for anything for you? And he began to talk a little bit about what he was doing and so on. But as we were standing there, it was as if God had highlighted a verse to me. And I just got this sense that his best days are yet to come. So today, this might sound a bit weird, um, but um, I just keep getting this phrase like, your best days are yet to come. I don't know whether you've been through a difficult situation recently, of late, but I feel like God's saying that, that you've got a future. There's hope for your future, that God's got plans for you. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a future that's hopeful. And his eyes begin to fill up, and he begins to slightly tremble. And he says, people keep saying that to me. Why do people keep saying to me, what, what is that? And I said, oh, that's from the Bible. It's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Like, yes, it's speaking to them at the time, but I believe it's for you too that God's got something for you. And then he explains his situation. He said, you know what? He said, I've recently lost my wife to cancer. He said, I'm solo parenting. He said, I'm dropping my, my daughter off at university and I feel quite shaken. I'm going to be quite alone. And actually the thought of moving into my future, I don't feel very hopeful. I don't feel like my best days are yet to come. But yet what you're saying rings true. What you're saying rings true to me. Let's allow scripture to feed us, to be in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And let's take it to the people around. Here in Edinburgh, if you're from Edinburgh, if you live in Edinburgh or Glasgow, wherever you are, wherever you're visiting, take the word of God in a non-freaky way, 
in a normal way, in an authentic way. Speak words of life to people. But you need to know it, you need to feed off it, and let's apply it to people's lives. Dave.